Welcome to the Oceans Ministries Podcast. Here's your host, Tim Spikestra. I'm here today with a, a good friend of mine named Ray Hawkinson. Uh, Ray and I go way back to uh, the year of 2003. I was on a trip to Lesotho, Africa with World Vision, a pastor's vision trip. And our final day in Lesotho, we had this phone number from this missionary, YWAM missionary, that was also helping abandoned orphan babies. And uh, my stepfather, Bill Beerling, was with me, and he made the call. We got a hold of Ray. Ray came over to the place where we're staying. We had breakfast, uh, took a short tour of the home. I think there was about 23 babies there. And my life was forever changed. My life was forever ruined in a good way uh, by Ray Hawkinson. And Ray, why don't you say hi to people uh, here a moment? Hey, everybody. It's uh, great uh, to meet you. And uh, I know I kind of talk a bit funny. That's how we talk here in South Africa. But uh, hopefully you will be able to understand most of what I say. And it's really a privilege to be uh, on this with Tim tonight. Raymond, um, just give us a short history of your background, uh, where you started, um, how you ended up in Beautiful Gate, and then uh, now being in Cape Town, what has God laid on your heart? I think many people will know the story, and it's in your book called An Arrested Heart. That's an awesome book that shares it more detail, and I'd encourage you to pick that up. But uh, give us a, a short version of uh, Rhodesia and then where God has brought you today. Sure, Tim. Thank you. And uh, uh, Tim knows me well, so I'm not good at short, but I'm going to give it a... <laughs> That's why I said short, give it a <laughs> But uh, yeah, to keep it short, I, wa- I, did, uh, I was born in a, a country called Rhodesia that is now called Zimbabwe uh, in Central Africa. And, uh, yeah, I grew up there and went to school there. I've always been very um, keen on sport. I uh, played a lot of sport and um, played the decent game of rugby where we didn't, don't wear helmets or uniforms or anything like that. We just crash into each other. And <laughs> real football, <laughs> and right? Real football, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, and um, I've, always, I've always loved my sport. And, in a way, sport was the thing that... Um, that got me to where uh, some of the places that I got to, you know, got into leadership positions. Um, in my last year of school, I was um, president of the Students' Council, you know, all of that kind of thing. And I just say it like that because uh, at the time it was very important to me to be recognized for those things. And then I left school um, and I joined the, the Air Force. We, our country was at war at that time. Uh, at 18 years old, I was trained as an Air Force pilot. And uh, the next seven years, uh, I was literally involved in a war with uh, an aircraft that uh, was armed to the teeth and basically sent off into the bush and, and go and make war. So that's kind of what I did. Um, and in, in the time that that happened, I then also met my wife. Um, who was a nursing sister, and um, we we got married in the, in the middle of all of this uh, stuff that was going on. Had two children very quickly, um, and then uh, unfortunately things changed in the country. Well, um, you know there was a new government in place, and 
it was very difficult for me to stay there, um, even from a, a, a danger point of view, to carry on uh, living in that country. So we moved to South Africa to the south, and uh, after three years of being down here, um, uh, tragically, um, uh, I, I really uh, pulled away from anything to do with religion or God, or uh, and my wife had uh, got very involved in church, and as a result of that, we actually ended up going in two very different directions, and we uh, ended up getting divorced. Um, so I'm not sure if that's the kind of uh, um, no, detail that, you need. Yeah, no, that's great. And and uh, because God, what we're going to get to is where God has led you, and that was one of the lowest points of your life, um, where I remember in the book and you sharing it with me, that you were really ready to end your life and try to end your life, and God intervened. He didn't allow that to happen. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, you met a pastor, you called the pastor. Uh, God intervened there as well. You became a believer. And then tell how you and Sue got back together. Yeah, I mean, it, it is an amazing story because, as I said, I wanted nothing to do with God and my, my life literally just fell apart. And um, uh, I, I literally heard a voice that just said to me, get right with me and go back to your wife. And I knew it was God, even though I didn't know God. <laughs> just just <laughs> clear, clear as anything. And so I, I, I phoned her and I was living in a different town. And, uh, you know, I said to her, I've got some great news. And, you know, right then, she wasn't ready to hear any great news from me. But uh, I told her that I'd got saved and, you know, that I'd give my life to Christ. And uh, I really felt like a new person. And and I said, in the second part of what I felt God saying is that I'm, I'm going to come back to you. And I didn't expect the response. She just said to me, I don't want you back. <laughs> so... <laughs> So it was a bit of a shock, you know, because I've always been pretty sure of myself. And I thought, well, she's just going to open her arms and let me back in. But it didn't work out like that. And, and God really started to minister to me. I mean, he changed so much in my heart in a very short space of time. Um, one of the main ones being um, the fact that because I, I was born with a white skin, I, for the longest time, believed that made me better than anybody else. And um and God really spoke into that and just said to me, you know, in his eyes, every one of us is the same. And and he actually said to me at that time that he's going to use me to minister to a person, people of a different race. And the honest truth is when he told me that, I thought that will never happen. <laughs> my own thinking, you know, how we've got our own plan and our own yep. mind. And anyway, so... Um, I then uh, went and I literally uh, went back to the city where my wife was staying. And I persisted. I actually went and uh, literally went and knocked on the door of the house I used to live in. And my little three-year-old daughter um, would come and answer the door. And she'd say to me, yes, Daddy, what do you want? Sorry, she was six by that time. Mm. And she'd ask me what I wanted. And I said, well, I've come to, to see your mom. And she said, well, Mom said, you just got to wait outside. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there was quite a bit of humbling that took place. And yeah, but praise God, you know, that God started speaking to her. And um, uh, in fact, he'd spoken to her at the time of the divorce. And I think this is important, Tim, because... Um, that sometimes there may be somebody out there that's hanging on to something and thinking, well, God ever intervened. And, and God had told her at the time of the divorce that uh, this divorce was not going to last. And um, 
literally within a year we were back together. Mm. It was quite strange getting remarried. <laughs> There's no handbook in how do you marry the same person you married the first time. So <laughs> uh, it was it was quite a thing. And and but for, I think for me the second time around, um, you know, we so easily say those vows that the pastor leads us in when we say our vows. But uh, when I said it the second time, I realized these vows were not just for my wife, they were for, for him as well, you know, and um, and l it was radical from then on. To it was, I've always been a 100% person, you know, and so when God arrested my heart, it was just like, okay, what's next? And, mm -hmm. and I just threw myself into whatever it was he was going to call us into. And um, mm -hmm. so that's kind of how the journey started for us in missions. Yeah, and then there was things that happened in between that. But then God led you to this little country called Lesotho, surrounded by South Africa. And you're YWAM missionaries, uh, youth with a mission. And here's this fighter pilot, uh, remarried, filled with a new uh, presence of God in his life, filled with God's spirit. And you're doing ministry, you're taking teams all over the place, you're loving hiking in the mountains. And God really puts on Sue's heart uh, the need that was happening in Lesotho because of so many people were dying from HIV AIDS. And uh, the babies were being left abandoned in hospitals, in latrines, um, on people's steps. And God really grabbed Sue's heart, who was a nurse, Hey, Ray, we got to do something about this, right? And then you uh, rented a house, I think started with seven babies. When I met you, there was 23 babies. And uh, then God gave you a vision for Beautiful Gate. Want to share a little bit about Beautiful Gate? Yeah, Tim, that, that's exactly how it happened. And, you know, it's amazing how God puts compassion into the hearts of women in particular, because I walk past those children all the time and I didn't even like have a second look. I was so busy with what I was doing. And yeah, and, God, and she really brought God's attention or my attention to what God was saying about the children. So yeah, as you said, we started with no money in the bank, uh, no clothes, no food, and we took these seven babies out of the hospital. And that's literally how we started. And it literally just took the faith of two people who just believed God would, would intervene. And that's what he did. And then uh, we'd moved three times. As you said, we moved from seven babies. We went up to 13 within two months. And then within six months, we got to 25. And uh, and we'd had to move three times, you know. And I went before God and I just said, you know, God, I'm, I'm tired of this moving and moving 25 babies and moving uh, cribs and all the stuff that goes with it. And and it's quite interesting for me, Tim, is that God seems to always wake me up in the early hours of the morning. And it was, mm -hmm. it was literally uh, 2 o'clock one morning. And, and uh, there's that, that scripture in Habakkuk that says, uh, write your vision and make it plain. Mm -hmm. And I thought God was saying to me, okay, if you want something, then put it down. And so I, I took out this drawing book uh, and I just started to draw. Now, I'm a useless artist, but... Um, <laughs> The basic concept, and and it and I just kept drawing, and it 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 blew me away because you know I just couldn't stop drawing. And uh, about four hours later, Sue woke up, woke up and came out, and saw this book, and she said, "What what is this?" And I said, "I think this is a beautiful gate." <laughs> mm, mm. And so yeah, so that's how the vision, and I can remember taking it to my staff, you know, and I think they thought I'd lost it completely. <laughs> <laughs> 
because uh, it was so big, Tim. I think that, mm. you know, again, this is really important, I think, for anybody listening is that, you know, sometimes we, we limit God by what we think he can do or what mm. we think we can do. And yet mm. his plans are so much bigger, you know, than, um, than anything we've got. So literally all, all he wanted was somebody to be obedient. And then he arrived, you know, and so we, mm. we found this little piece of land that had nothing. It was just a deserted piece of land with three ponds. And we felt this is what God told us uh, to, to start building on. And so in faith, we started trusting God to have money to build. And uh, there was a lady that was part of a group, um, which is actually interesting to me if I can mention this. The, the same guy that had spoken to you and Bill, to come and visit us when you came to Lesotho. His name was John Boyd, and he was mm. he's now the director of MAF in, in the States. And he was he was a friend of mine, and um, he'd brought this group uh, to come and visit us at Beautiful Gate when we were still in our very small first facility. And this lady came for 15 minutes and literally just picked up one of the babies and fed it and went back to the UK, and we didn't know who she was at all. A month later, uh, John phoned me. And he said to me, are you sitting down? And I said, why? He said, I've got some news for you. And this lady knew that we were looking for a million rand, uh, you know, to start our building project. And uh, she, when she went back to the UK, she told her husband about what we were doing. And they pledged a million rand to us just based on that 15-minute visit with her. Mm. And, and Tim, you've seen Beautiful Gate. I mean, we may, I don't know if you'll go there later in the... But, you know, we, it literally started with that little piece of ground and three ponds and a vision. Mm. And God just, he literally just showed up, you know. Um, and we saw, you know, the building going up. And uh, this is important as well, is that we felt from the start that God said to us, never take a loan for this property. Just trust me. <laughs> and, mm. and I'm mm. going to bring it along. And even when we ran out of that million rand, we stood for nine months with nothing going on. And then somebody else came along again, and then you know, obviously the project then went into ballistic mode. And <laughs> yeah. in a very short space of time, that whole campus um, came together. And the amazing thing is, you know, how God works and how God brought people there. And I know uh, when we came, Bill and I came, he arrested our heart, and Bill and my mom uh, spent four months with you. And and churches in the state start hearing about it and coming out and teams came out and God sent this crazy guy from Australia <laughs> to help with a <laughs> yeah. building project named Alan. And um, today you can go on the website of Beautiful Gate and you can, if you have never seen it, you got to go on the website and check it out and, and see this amazing miracle of God. And Ray and Sue are the visionaries. God gave them the dream. I think today uh, over 270 kids have been adopted out of that. Um, countless people from the States, from the UK, from the Netherlands, from Australia, from all literally all over the world have been impacted because when you go on that site, you feel the glory of God. You experience the kingdom of God. Um, it's not always been easy, and Ray would be the first to tell you that when you uh, minister, as Jesus said, to the least of these um, Matthew 25, you're ministering to Jesus, but the enemy hates that because he knows when we do ministry to these abandoned babies and love them, uh, we're loving Jesus, and the enemy doesn't want us to be ruined uh, by Jesus in a good way. 
And so, yeah, it wasn't always easy, right, Ray? You had to face government stuff and yeah. staff issues and just and basically all-out spiritual warfare. Um, but God used you and Sue in a mighty way. And uh, I was out for your 10th anniversary. And then God uh, brought Brian and me to Gearink, uh, incredible people from Holland, Michigan, uh, from Haven Christian Reformed Church that are, that are directing it now. Um, God knew what he was doing there. And, uh, and now uh, God moved you from that incredible work where lives have been changed, lives have been transformed forever. Um, revivals happened in churches and hearts and homes because of your vision and, and being faithful to God. Uh, but God had another plan for you. And, and part of that is a season kind of a being in the wilderness, right? For the last <laughs> three and a half, four years. You, you want to tell us just a little bit about uh, that experience as well? Yeah, sure, Tim. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. You know, a little while ago, or when I say a little, probably six months ago, I wouldn't have been able to talk too much about that because uh, that has been uh, a very deep and uh, painful process. But um if I could just back off one, just to one thing, Tim, uh, when you mentioned about the whole thing of spiritual warfare and, and you know, I, I guess when you go and do something like that, you don't kind of think about that stuff. You know, we just thought we were going to help babies and uh, get them, uh, give them a second chance and try and get them into good homes. And, and so that's your focus. And then you don't realize what's coming with that. And uh, one thing that I, I love about God is that, you know, he, he knows when to choose who and how yes <laughs> and what i mean by that is you know I, you mentioned earlier about the fact that i was an air force pilot you know and i, I would uh, you know tim knows me well you know i'm i'm pretty <laughs> radical in whatever i do and uh, and I'm, i i like risk and i like to be out there and and so i always wondered you know how what i did in the air force you know and i was not a believer in those days and and i always thought how could that ever help me in my spiritual walk since I've come to know Christ. And the very thing you just spoke about, Tim, is what we had to face in Lesotho over those 10 years. I, I believe that God was preparing me in the mm. Air Force, <laughs> in a physical sense, for, in the war that I was in and the warfare that I faced and um, being shot at and all of that kind of thing. That was preparation for the spiritual war that was coming, you know, that I didn't actually know it was coming. And uh, I believe he carried us during that time. And, you know, like I said, we came out with some pain and stuff, issues we've had to deal with. And um, and we are dealing with that on a daily basis. But um, I know that if it wasn't for what I'd done before as a younger man, I believe God used that, you know, to mm. for what he needed for the, the the beginning stage of the beautiful gate. So. Well, yeah, we have a name for it. we have a name for Ray, and we call him the Restless Warrior, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> he had to be a warrior, really, uh, a spiritual yeah. warrior, um, to step out in faith, to believe God would provide, to pray uh, when there wasn't finances, there wasn't money to feed the babies. Um, Ray reminds me of a guy named George Mueller, who I love, uh, who had orphanages in um, England back in the 1800s and, and lived the same way Ray did and, and cared for so many, I think, 10,000 orphans. But it's not easy and it's a life of faith. And Ray has taught me and the churches that he's spoken at and many others who know Ray um, to trust God. But it's not easy. It's a battle. And 
And I praise God for you, Ray, being a restless warrior and God, you know, <laughs> moves you on. And yeah. Um, yeah, so go now go ahead and, and from Beautiful Gate, kind of searching yeah. the will of God in the wilderness, right? Yeah, yeah. No, very much, Tim. And again, it wasn't an unexpected thing either. You know, we, we left Beautiful Gate. We knew the time was right. You know, God did amazing things. And as you said about uh, Brian and Anita Gehrink, you know, I don't know if they'll ever get to hear this, but um, I, I just cannot say enough about uh, the, that couple and how they stepped into the gap at the time that it was needed for Beautiful Gates. And God had spoken to them and they were obedient. And they've got an amazing story as well, how God confirmed yeah. to them about I'll coming. I'll interview them were, someday too. Yeah, no, surely, it's because they, they're the least likely couple, you know, to have been called to Africa. I mean, uh, it's just amazing. And how God spoke to him on the plane. So when, if he ever... I get the chance to interview him about this. Ask him about the guy he met on the plane going to Johannesburg. It's an incredible story. But anyway, so all that aside, you know, God orchestrated it. They took over. They've done incredibly well. They've taken it even beyond what I think soon I would have taken it, you know. Um, so, yeah, God's got their seasons. You know, one is to water, one is to plant, one is to, to reap. And that's what, what God is doing, you know. And... Um, so yeah, so we moved to Cape Town, and I had I had this vision that I thought, because I've got quite a a, a different past, you know, in terms of I've done a lot of things, and and I've always always had this thing in me that uh, people should be working in their passion, mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is, you know, you find so many people working just for the sake of working to to yeah. bring an income in and, and just get to pay the bills, you know, but they they don't like what they're doing, and it is. There are a lot of people out there like it. And so I've always had this desire to see people walk in, in the gifts that God has given them and in the, their passions and curiosities. So that's what I was going to do when I got to Cape Town. And um, uh, when we got here, I think Sue and I both realized we actually weren't that well. <laughs> mm. And what I mean by that is, you know, physically, we, uh, I was completely burnt out. And it's, I've learned a lot through this, this process in that, you know, I, I, I'm i a hammer and tongs person, you know, just go for it. <laughs> and I did that for, well, basically it was 20, 23 years in missions, but the last 10 in Beautiful Gate. And um, and I think it caught up with me, you know, I got to say that I, got, I was completely burnt out. And both Sue and I actually went into a time of depression uh, when we arrived in Cape Town. And uh, Tim, you know, I say that openly because at the beginning it was very hard to actually admit that. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, sometimes I think there are people out there that think, well, you know, you can't be a Christian and be depressed. You know, it's like the, it's, it's an oxymoron. But yeah. I've, I've actually learned a lot in this process and mm -hmm. learned to, to talk about it because it's hard to actually understand uh, how to speak to somebody that's in depression unless you've been in it. Because mm -hmm, uh, it is a very debilitating condition, you know. So, uh, but I, what I can say, and, and uh, sorry, and to add to that, when we moved down here, I thought, okay, now um, I, I'm going to produce some income because we'd lived by faith literally for 25 years, where people had supported what we were doing, and that, and we didn't know from month to month what we we're going to get, and uh, we just trusted God with our, our personal finances, and for for all those years, He did it, you know, and. Then we got here and we thought, well, now what do we do? Because all those people have stopped supporting us. <laughs> and, and all I can say, to cut a long story short, is somehow God did it. You know, it, it has been a very difficult time financially, but we can honestly say that we haven't gone a day um, that we haven't been able to, to eat and to have a, a roof over our head and 
Um, and in a way, our, our journey of faith didn't stop. And, and definitely, Tim, when you mentioned the word wilderness, that's exactly what it felt like for me. You know, I think I went through a whole uh, identity thing uh, because, you know, from being the director of Beautiful Gates and, you know, we had uh, uh, prime ministers and mm. uh, ambassadors came to visit us and people were talking about what we were doing and, you know, and, and it's great. And I never wanted the acclaim for what we did because I've always maintained that that wasn't us, that was God. You know, we were just obedient to what he called us to do. But then when, when that was gone and we were in Cape Town, nobody knew us down here and uh, I couldn't get a job and and those thoughts came across my mind, you know, so who am I actually and what, and what, what is my worth, you know, because we often put our worth in things that we do. And now we weren't doing anything, you know, so, so mm -hmm. you know, for us guys in particular, the first thing we ask each other when we meet, so, so what do you do? Yeah, yeah. that's our identity, <laughs> so my, right? Yeah, so my, my standard phrase was, well, I'm in transition. <laughs> and so that's how and then and then Tim what happened is I actually went and did a course with a friend of mine and um and uh, we called it gifting uncovered and purpose defined and in the course we got people to tell these stories through their life and I did the same for myself you know because I was kind of in this place not knowing what I'm supposed to be doing and uh, and I did this and we came across that um that incident, I mean, it's obviously an incredibly powerful incident of when Jesus was baptized by, by John. Mm. And when he came out of the water, you know, because that was really the time that, that Jesus was anointed. And he came out the, the water. And the words that came from heaven were, this is my beloved son, mm. in whom I am well pleased. So listen to him. Mm. And Tim, there were four things in there that just spoke straight into my heart. The one was, this is my, this is my beloved son. So there were two things there. One, I knew God loved me, even in the midst of this wilderness that, you know, we were wondering what on earth is going on. You know, it's like uh, so much is falling apart. We were having challenges in many areas in our family. And my wife and I have always been, uh, you know, we've been so thankful that God has looked after us as a couple. Mm -hmm. But it it was strange, you know. It was a difficult time. But but uh, in that time, I, I always felt the love of God, and I knew He loved me despite uh, me not understanding what was going on. Mm -hmm. And then when He said, uh, "My beloved Son," mm -hmm. that sonship Amen. suddenly struck me to me in a way that I, you know, and I've been a Christian since 1984, and for the first time, I really felt like, okay, I understand what that means to actually have. A father that loves me despite, no matter what I do, whether I do nothing, he still loves me, you know. Amen. And uh, and then um, the the third part was uh, in whom I'm well pleased. So I realized that it didn't matter what I did, whether I, I did things for him or, you know, I just sat and I, and I was in his presence all day long, not doing anything as such. He still cherished me. Mm. And the last thing was that thing of uh, uh, give, having a voice. You know, when he said to, uh, to everybody uh, about Jesus, now listen to him. Mm. And that was something that I struggled with as well. Because like I said, I got to Cape Town. Nobody knew me from speaking every single day to people that came to Beautiful Gates and going and speaking in churches. Suddenly I had no platform whatsoever. <laughs> so it was mm. like, okay. And Tim, you know me and probably people listening can hear now. I talk. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, this was supposed to be 15 minutes, but that's yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. So, uh, so we, anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. So, so yeah, so that's what I felt God saying is, yeah, you have a voice, and and at the time when the time is right, I'm going to give you that voice again, you know. And, and and the separation time was important. God needed to do some stuff in my heart again, and for us as a family, you know, we still don't see all what it's what what it means, but. I've got a lot more understanding of that, you know, and um, and I, I can honestly say I've come through my depression. Um, I'm feeling really strong. I'm I'm ready for God and uh, to show me again. And I'm also aware of the danger signs that I don't, because I am that kind of person anyway. I'm a type A personality, so when I do something, I I give it a go, you know. But I am aware now of the signs of when no, that's enough, you know. You need to back off a bit and. So, yeah, so in that way, Tim, I'm very excited about the future. And very interestingly uh, amused at where God has taken me because it's not what I would have chosen or thought about. And yet, you know, I love, first of all, I love that passage. It's one of my favorite of of Mm -hmm. Jesus and the baptism. And I think, Ray, you just articulated uh, what God wants for his people and what he wants them to hear. And then to follow that voice of Jesus to what he has created us for. And he uses all the past experience, just like in Jesus's life, being a a carpenter and, you know, being from really a a little town that nobody really cared about or knew about, uh, living in obscurity. And God used all that to prepare him for that moment where he heard the Father's voice, knew completely through the spirit, his identity. And then God sent it, sent him out into his, his calling, his work. And in three years, he, he transformed the world. Right. And I think that for, for you too, I mean, God has used you, uh, in countless ways in so many people's lives, but then he brings you into, to the wilderness and he's preparing you for another work and another place and it doesn't always make sense and it's cloudy um the light's not always there and there's darkness yeah. and there's battles and and you've been through that but i think the beautiful thing is where god is taking you because i see all your gifts all your talents um being put to to use by god uh to show other people what god looks like and and it's crazy. It's a different way of doing it. But kind of, you know, just just share uh, where God's leading you. And um, and, I, and I believe it's going to have a, another huge kingdom impact. Uh, so go ahead and share for a few minutes about Absolutely. Where, yeah, thanks. where you're going. Thanks. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned earlier in the interview that um, that I've always been very keen on sports and athletics. And, and for the longest time when I was in missions, uh, I laid a lot of that down. And, you know, it wasn't like, a, okay, I'm going to put it down. Now. It just happened because I was got busy with missions. And uh, but one thing that I that I always did do is that, and actually uh, your stepdad, uh, Bill Beerling, Tim, he was the one that when they came out for those four months, he got me back into golf. Mm. And literally, I think every Saturday he would say to me, "Listen, you 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 stressed. You need to go and hit the golf." <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think it was actually he had uh, ulterior motives, Tim, because I think he actually wanted to play golf, and he yeah, that was the real reason. So I don't, think, yeah. <laughs> 
but but anyway, so uh, so we, we that's what we did, you know. And I, um, because uh, I, I I I was gifted Tim with with sporting abilities, you know. It's just one of those things. Some people are artists, other people are musicians. I can pick up literally any piece of sporting equipment, and I'll have a go at it and be okay, you know. So um, so yeah. So um, when I moved down here, and then all of this, you know, it's been four years of unemployment and searching and asking God, you know, what, what's going on and, you know, what do you want for me? And, and uh, yeah, through a, a couple of interventions again, you know, it's a, God is a God of suddenly. Tim, I've found that out as well. When you, you can think you're in the deepest place in the wilderness and he's never going to find you there and nobody's going to find you there. In a, an instant, he can just change all of that. And, uh, and that's what he did. And he led me into um, getting back into golf, which was... I mean, I was thrilled because I love the game, and um, uh, I, but it was unexpected. And uh, out of all of that, uh, I then uh, did some research and found out um, there weren't many people here in South Africa that were uh, golf guides. And that, what I mean by that is you get a lot of people coming from overseas. They come, they've heard that South Africa is beautiful and they've got good golf courses, but they don't know where to go and play. And so... Um, uh, I, I researched that a bit and found one guy that did do it here where I live and I teamed up with him for a while to find out, okay, what's he doing? And and uh, out of that, um, I then got encouraged to go and do a tour guide course as well, which is, um, and it's, uh, you know, Tim, I, I, I don't mind saying this, that I turned 60 a little while ago and um, and I thought my, my book and learning days were over. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then I went and did, uh, I'm in the midst right now, actually, of doing the tour guide course. So I've done the theory. I'm busy with all the assignments and, and uh, homework now. And uh, on the 14th of this month, I've got to go back and do a TI exam and a presentation and research project. And so, uh, so just to say that I'm, uh, there's a lot of work involved. And the idea is that I would learn enough that I'd be able to take people on tours around the Western Cape, which is the region where I live and Cape Town is the provincial capital of that. And, and so, you know, um, it, exactly what you said earlier, Tim, it fits everything in who I am. You know, it's a lot of organizing involved. It's meeting people, giving people a good time, uh, showing them the country that I love and playing the sport that I'm passionate about, you know. So all of those boxes were ticked and I thought this sounds perfect. And, and then somebody asked me the question, but, what about your ministry? <laughs> and, and it kind of shook me in that, you know, I think I've lived my life um, that everything that I do is ministry. <laughs> so whether, whether I'm looking after orphaned and abandoned babies in the situ and, uh, or if I'm talking to a guy in the street that, you know, just needs somebody to say hello to him, you know, for me, it's all ministry. And, uh, and I've kind of lived my life like that. You know, when I wake up in the morning, I ask God and I say, well, what have you got for me today? And who do you want me to touch today? And, you know, and, and again, it's just a simple faith Tim, and just being obedient. I think that is such a key word for me. You know, the same with Beautiful Gate and, and with this, so just to surrender, which is not always easy. You know, sometimes we think we've got a better plan and but to surrender, and uh, and that's kind of what I've done, and and so God's got me on this journey now, where um, I'm I'm training to be a tour guide, and in a very short uh, time, by the end of March, I should be um, advertising for people to come and do tours with me, and uh, um, 
I, I think we all know our wonderful friend Henry in California, who's just been incredible in helping me put all the design together for the um, for the oh, ministry. Yeah, as you see, I call it ministry. <laughs> well, for me, there's no distinction. Yeah. Yeah, you know, let me break in here because sure. when I the last time I, I flew to Africa to go to Beautiful Gate and do some ministry, uh, you had me bring out a book by I believe his name is Wayne Jacobs called Finding Church. And, you know, I was just transitioning out of the church that I was pastoring and into ocean ministries. And so I, I started to read the book on the plane. I didn't want to wreck the pages because it was your book. <laughs> um, and I couldn't put it down. And by the time I landed in uh, Johannesburg, I had read it all. And I texted a bunch of friends that they need to read it. And And kind of the premise of that book is that you know, the church is outside the walls. Church definitely inside the walls. God uses that. Yep. Um, but church happens on the golf course. Church happens at Starbucks. Church happens uh, in our neighborhoods. And, um, and I know that you know that. And what excites me is your gift to play golf, to laugh, uh, to get to know people really fast and the bubbling love of Jesus Christ that is in you, whoever golfs with you, whoever goes in a car with you, uh, is going to know uh, the presence of Jesus, just Jesus in you. And I, and I can't wait because I believe that's a whole mission field of bringing the church to, to a bunch of golfers who may never step foot in a church or have never been in a church. Uh, maybe even some of your buddies from the, the war, right, or in Rhodesia yeah. and you know, God's used you uh, with them already, but uh, th that excites me about Ray, and I can see the glow. Uh, we Skyped the other day, can <laughs> see the glow back on his face, uh, knowing his gifts, knowing his talents. And Ray, this is interesting. I was with a, a pastor friend not long ago, and he was sharing with me. He said, Tim, when do you think the most productive time uh, in somebody's life is? Uh, is it you know, the 30s, 40s, 20s, when you have all your energy, uh, you know, 40s. And, and he said, studies have shown that they're the three most productive times in um, entrepreneurial people's lives, um, the number one time, Ray, check this out, is from 60 to 70. Isn't that wow. cool? And, you that know, we just, cool. we shared the same birthday, right? October 29. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we call each other brothers from another mother. And yeah. uh, so you're still 10 years older. So people can yeah, figure how old I am now. <laughs> <laughs> but you are, you know, I, I find it fascinating because your passions and your dreams and who you are and all the experiences that God has brought you through, uh, you're reaching that most um, proficient effective, according to stats, time of your life from 60 to 70. And uh, I just can't wait to see what God's going to do in you and yeah. through you and how many people are going to come to know the love of Jesus Christ, even on the, on the golf course yeah. uh, and driving around Cape Town with you. Yeah. And, and Tim, if I could just add to that as well, you know, a little bit earlier when I was at, at Beautiful Gate and uh, I did play golf now and again on a Saturday and, um, and uh, people would ask me, but, you know, you're not supposed to be there because, <laughs> you know, you don't sit in the pub, you know, with the guys after golf and, you know, you should go home and, you know, it's like, um, and, and I've always had a really different philosophy. And as you said, um, that book I read, Tim, uh, Finding Church was such a, 
uh, freeing thing for me because, you know, we are the church. I've, I've got nothing against meeting together and we have our Sunday meetings and, you know, that that's a good, great time to get together and worship together. But actually, we are the church every single day of the week, every moment of our waking lives, you know. So uh, I fully believe that. I, I can tell you every, virtually every golf course I've gone to, uh, you go into that place, it is literally going into a place where there are very, very few unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And it's an incredible opportunity, you know, where, uh, if, and, and it, you don't have to preach to anybody. You just, just live out the, 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 the life that Christ has called us to, and people will be aware, you know, and people are lost, and they know it. And they don't know what they're looking for, but, you know, you just, just live it out in front of them, you know. And, uh, and I, it's him all the time, you know, and I, I'm looking forward to that. I, I must say I'm excited. And when you mentioned about the, the age of 60, I honestly do not, I can't even think that I'm that age. <laughs> people, people have to remind me, you know, <laughs> because I don't feel it. And, uh, and I, I, I trust that God would use that, you know. And, and the truth is, Tim, you know, when I look back at my life, you know, it's like uh, I've lived quite a, a dangerous life, if I can put it that way. You know, I don't think people understand, you know, some of the, the things, uh, you know, even in Lesotho and, uh, and and here I am, I'm still alive. And and um, just today we had somebody come to our house to do some, some work here. And he knows my son, Keegan. He works with my son, Keegan, actually. And my son, Keegan's 37 years old. Mm. And this guy looked at me and he said, no way can you be Keegan's father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, a good compliment, Ray. Yeah, yeah. So I actually asked him for his bank account number so I can give him <laughs> some money for that. <laughs> uh, but the truth is, it. Tim, yeah, but, you know, I think God is going to use this season. I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. And, and uh, in terms of ministry, as far as I'm concerned, when I'm out there and I'm doing that, uh, that's ministry to me. You know, and I, I believe people will come to know Christ. Not because of me, but just he'll use me because he that's what he does. You know, he draws people to himself and he uses us as, as his believers to do that. Well, yeah, I'm I'm excited for you, um, for Sue, uh, for the people you're going to meet, the lives that are going to be changed, people that are going to see Christ in you. Um, and I think this is what God has prepared for you at this time of your life. And I think it encourages us all, Ray, um, even those who may be listening, who've gone through the wilderness or in the wilderness or waiting for light to dawn. Um, but if we keep trusting, keep believing, even though we don't understand and it doesn't make sense and we may have had totally different plans uh, and God says, no, I'm, I'm taking you this way. I think your life yeah. is a great, a great testimony uh, for that. And we, I truly believe God's going to use you. So, uh, you know, yeah. I, I look forward to seeing you in April. I'll get a spin. Yeah, I can I a few days with you. I don't get me on the golf course because you know, uh, <laughs> I'm a hopeless case, <laughs> but it's but always hope. It's always hope. <laughs> um, Tim, if I, can I end with this one thing that for yeah. me, it's that, you know, you can see exactly the people you're speaking to as we, as we share now, you know, that, uh, that may be going through those times and, uh, something that, that God showed me, is, uh, and it was through a quote that somebody put on, on Facebook or something like that, but it said, um, uh, write your plans in pencil mm. and then give God the pen. Mm. 
<laughs> and I loved it, you know, yeah. because I think it's good good for us to have plans, you know, and I think we should be planning. And But to really have an open hand with that, you know, to literally put it in pencil and then let God come along and actually put it in pen and then, you know, and, and then follow that plan because that will be the best plan, even when we don't always think it is. <laughs> but he's got a plan, you know, and uh, also Jeremiah 29, 11, my favorite uh, scripture in, in the Word, you know, it's, um, it says, um, oh, now it's gone. <laughs> no, sorry. I know, I know the happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and that's true. That, thing, that uh, scripture has carried me through all my years in missions. And often I've come back to it, you know, that just to understand he does have a plan. And for anybody that's listening here, no matter where they're at, they, God never, ever gives up on anyone. He's there. You know, we just got to reach out to him. Mm. Yeah. The word I think of is the sovereignty of God that... Yeah. You know, he has a plan. He has a pen and he's going to work his plan. He just calls us to surrender to it. Um, exactly. And it's usually a lot different than what we have dreamed of, but it's yeah. better because he's sovereign. Yeah. And, he, and he's just waiting for us to say, not not our wills, but his will. And he wants to give us the desires of our heart because he put them there. And uh, and I think that's where God has led you, Raymond, um, my restless warrior brother <laughs> from another mother. Uh, I love you. Um, any closing words as we uh, end this podcast uh, from Ray Hawkinson? Hey, tell us what's the name of your new company or uh, golf tour guide. And if people want to find out and these listeners want to go and be with you in South Africa and experience a great time, uh, give us some info. Yeah, sure. Tim, I've, I've called it uh, Epic Golf and Tours. And the word epic has, has been something that's been uh, very important to me for years. And in fact, that was after what I thought the ministry was going to be called when I came to Cape Town. And it stands for engage, provoke, inspire, and challenge. And so I use those. I don't put it in my uh, material, but I know in the back of my heart, that's what I wanted to do. I want to engage with people to provoke them, inspire them, and challenge them, you know, um, wherever they are in their life. And... Um, and uh, yeah, so I've called it Epic Golf and Tours, and very easy to remember because that's the email address as well, just epicgolfandtours at gmail.com. And then the website, which we're still working on, we haven't actually got it up yet, is also just going to be Epic Golf and Tours. And, uh, and my, my byline, I've got a byline that I call, um, that I say, uh, serving, oh, sorry, that's not the byline. <laughs> you can see it's all new. It's um, uh, uh, sorry, it's, it's escaped right. me. I'm sorry about that. Maybe we can get it on the blog. I've got it. No, so okay. I've got it. Yeah, it's it's actually where spectacular is the norm, mm, and it. that's what I want. You know, I want people to have a spectacular experience. You know, when they come here, whether they're playing golf or touring or just being you know, in my presence, you know, that I would uh, that leave better for it, you know, when they go. So, yeah. Outstanding. And uh, look forward to hearing more. And we'll have to have you back on this podcast. And in a year from now, give us an update. But I, I know God's going to bless your work because you've been a, a diligent, faithful servant, too. And so I love you, brother from another mother. And uh, <laughs> give Sue a hug. And... Oh. Uh, it was great. Thank you for coming on this podcast. Thank you, Tim, and uh, thanks for the opportunity. And I, I really do trust that it does speak into people's hearts. Thank you. Amen. Bless you, man. Love you, too.
blessing. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us. To hear more episodes or learn more about Oceans Ministries, please visit oceansministries.org.